Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. This is episode three. I am Dr. Taves. I'm the founder and owner of Novera Headache Center. And in this podcast and the mission of Novera Headache Center is to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything they do. Now, a major aspect of thriving and empowerment education is understanding the value of imaging. Why is imaging so, so important or looked at as important in the Western medicine model? And why might it not be as valuable as we think it is? Now, imaging seems to be the the catch-all, diagnose everything If you are someone that struggled to find an answer, if you've been a provider after provider, well, maybe you just need the right type of image so that we can see what's going on inside your head. I want to bust a myth for you today. And the myth is that headache and migraine patients all need an x-ray or an MRI to properly diagnose their symptoms and provide a solution. That is a myth. Now, before we get into why that's a myth and why the majority of people don't need an image to find an effective treatment, I want to take a step back and say that there are types of headaches and migraines that do indicate an underlying problem that will be seen on imaging and does need to be treated in an emergent sort of way. Now, those are the the tumors, the brain bleeds, uh, the the things that are life-threatening or Um, If not life-threatening, they do lead to uh, long-term neurological damage. Now, that is such a small percentage of patients that, uh, and and that type of headache, um, just to inform you guys, if you have a thunderclap-type headache, the worst headache you've ever experienced, and it would be described thunderclap, like a bolt of lightning, um, sometimes that can indicate a, a brain bleed, especially if you have not had that sort of symptom before. Um, if this is a new thing that occurs, and usually that's later on in life, 60s, 70s, that sort of thing. The patient and what the majority of people that I deal with um, describe to me or what they're going through is a process of headaches, maybe neck tension, uh, and then occasional migraines that uh, maybe increase in frequency or potentially even migraine-like symptoms that come on and patients will receive um, the imaging up front and then maybe down the road want to redo imaging or go through that process again. So if you do have any sort of concern that there could be an underlying problem, you just have that gut feeling like this needs to be looked at, then by all means do that. Go to the ER, go to the urgent care. Um, I am not giving license to anyone with a headache or migraine um, to just be stubborn and not listen to your body. So that's that's the first sort of asterisk or caution to people. Um, So don't ignore the pain that your body's experiencing. Migraines and headaches can present very similar to how a stroke would present. Uh, They can present very similar uh, to underlying uh, serious issues. And so don't, don't take it lightly. But what I want you to take away from this podcast is an empowerment that uh, just because you have headaches and migraines does not mean that it is a cause for panic because the majority of people will actually have something that's very treatable and is not going to be caught with imaging. So it's this idea that imaging uh, should reveal the underlying problem and lead to a solution. And when it doesn't, there's a sense of depression, of lost hope that the patient will go through. And I just don't think that's necessary uh, because imaging doesn't tell the whole story. 
So if you listen to the last podcast, I talked about the number one overlooked cause of headaches and migraines. Now, to summarize that for you guys, the most overlooked uh, cause of headaches and migraines comes down to a movement problem. And uh, the movement problem is traced back to potentially a motor vehicle accident, a whiplash injury, prolonged poor posturing. There's a whole number of things that can cause this type of injury. And uh, we, uh, as providers, don't always have insight into that. Uh, as a patient, you might not have insight into what caused it. But there is a type of injury that, uh, well, most injuries to the musculoskeletal system are going to change the way we move. This is true for low back pain, hip pain, shoulder pain. Whether the pain itself is changing the way our body is moving, it's called a compensation pattern, or if the actual tissue that surrounds the joint or the muscles are compromised in a way where there's scar tissue and maybe it's not as flexible or elastic as it should be, that can restrict a joint enough where our body says, okay, if I, if my shoulder joint only wants to move here, I still need to reach up to the top cabinet and I'm just going to find a way to do that. So with any movement problem over time, the body will compensate and those compensations eventually lead to uh, irritated tissues. Um, and, and what can be seen as chronic pain. And so the chronic pain category um, patient can usually be traced back to if it's not an injury, it's just a, a repeated activity that uh, led to a compensation pattern. So the same thing is true for uh, headaches and migraines because the neck refers pain into the head. So that's that's what I talked about in episode two, the most overlooked cause of headaches and migraines being this neck injury that uh, leads to a loss of movement. So why is that not something that would show up with an x-ray or an MRI? I mean, you go to your primary care doctor and your neurologist and they order this x-ray. You you go into the room with uh, radiology tech and, and you go through the process of getting the x-ray or maybe you go through that big MRI tube and it's big and loud and it's expensive. You spend like $2,500 to get the imaging done. And uh, why would that not be helpful? I mean, we have the state of our equipment. You go to the big hospital, you, you see the impressive MD. Why, why would all of those things miss what's happening with you? Now, the short answer is that the x-ray or the MRI or even the CT scan, they don't show what is happening when you move your head or your neck. It's a still image. And I use the analogy of a runner. And if you're going to evaluate the gait or how a runner uh, could be more efficient with their stride. Um, it's really hard to give good uh, critical feedback to a runner if you don't watch them run. And so taking a still image or a picture of the runner mid-stride, and there are definitely things that you can point out, but really you need to break down the running over time. You need to see it happen in, in real time and then maybe even slow it down. So anyways, there's a lot more value to fixing a movement problem by seeing how the patient moves. And so the x-ray and the MRI are, are just still images. And so even with all the, the fancy uh, equipment and the expensive MRI machine, there's still not this element of movement that they can provide. And what happens is the, the medical doctor, the primary care doctor, neurologist, and again, I, I want to back up and say I'm not by any means against medical doctors. I'm not against neurologists. I, I think they do good work. Um, I think that the um, approach that they take is helpful, but it's not the full picture. And that's what I'm trying to, to explain to people is that there is 
another avenue that actually is more conservative and, and should be uh, taken before we get into the imaging and before we get into the medication. If we look at the medical doctor's training, and I'll just talk from my own experience because I have not been through medical school, uh, but in my physical therapy training, we actually went through uh, clinical musculoskeletal cases with fourth year uh, medical uh, students at the Mayo Clinic. And we, I was in my second year of PT school, and it was very, very evident that the medical students were not uh, as knowledgeable when it came to the musculoskeletal system. I mean, our, I remember our professor saying that we would be shocked at how little they knew about how to diagnose shoulder pain or back pain. And what happened was in those conversations, it was two to three medical students with a couple PT students. In those conversations, they would say, okay, there's a patient that comes in with shoulder pain. They have a positive test this way, this way, and this way. They can't move their shoulder this way. Um, what is the next step? And nine times out of 10, they would say, well, we need to we need to get an MRI, we need to get an x-ray, we need to get a CT because we need to know that we can rule out a tumor, we need to know what the tissue looks like. And all the PT students were looking at them kind of sideways like, well, actually within a couple of minutes, you can just do these simple special tests and, and have a pretty good idea of what's happening without having to cause the patient stress of going through those expensive tests, exposing them to the x-ray, uh, and then having this long drawn out process that maybe will extend their care uh, to the appropriate provider by weeks to months. But that's just kind of what their thought process is. Imaging will provide the diagnosis, the medication uh, will follow. And so I'm simplifying that and probably oversimplifying it uh, because they, they do a lot of work in preventing the serious illness and the serious diseases and catching those tumors and those type of things. But if this is just a musculoskeletal problem, a physical therapist is much better equipped um, to handle that type of patient. And then that does not mean that the physical therapist needs to see the patient after the MD. It just means that the PT needs to see the patient first. The PT needs to see the patient so that patient knows that they have an answer before they get into this x-ray imaging uh, MRI process that is going to result in medication likely. Uh, without a proper diagnosis. So the movement problem is not going to be caught with the x-ray or the MRI because it is a still image. But what follows is this sort of conversation with, I mean, sometimes you don't even get a visit with the, the doctor that referred you for the imaging. You basically just get a call from his office saying, here's the results or, you know, we, we didn't find anything, so we don't know what to do for you. But even in the office, it's this conversation of, well, we're going to try this, but we didn't find anything, so we don't know what to do. So that's scenario number one, is the imaging leads to we don't find anything, and so we don't know what to do next. Let's trial a medication, see if it works. Okay, so scenario one. Scenario two is that they do find something, and let's say it's a degenerative change in in the neck. Let's say most often it's going to be mid to lower portion of the neck, so C4 and C5 that uh, disc, uh, we see some, some wear and tear on that disc. Basically, they'll use words like uh, stenosis, degenerative disc disease, uh, disherniation or disbulging, things like that. Those kind of scary terms that people think, oh my gosh, this has to be gone for me to feel better. Which, again, put an asterisk on this because sometimes that can be contributing to the patient's symptoms. Now, if we are talking about headaches and migraines, most headaches and migraines and that referral pattern of pain is going to come from 
the base of the skull to the third cervical vertebrae. So that's very high up in the neck. That's actually where a lot of our movement comes from, as I talked about in the last episode. But that on imaging rarely has an issue with it. Sometimes they find uh, subtle changes over time. So if you're in your 50s or 60s, um, the spine almost naturally will have wear and tear to it. I, I hesitate to compare it to having gray hair um, because it's not as benign as having gray hair, but it is a, a part of aging. We see changes with the, with the skeletal system as we age. And so the risk in scenario number two is that they find something and they attribute your, all of your symptoms to that. So let's say C4 or 5 uh, had degenerative changes and maybe they're seeing some what would be called stenosis where that nerve exiting the spinal column is uh, it, it seems to be impeded or closed off. They will likely send you to a neurosurgeon or an orthopedic surgeon. And then it's a conversation of, well, let's look at a fusion. Let's look at uh, taking care of this specific segment through surgery. So again, the fear in that, that's actually probably a scarier situation when I'm talking to patients because the image and that diagnosis is assuming that that specific segment is causing the patient's problems, which is a relatively large assumption um, because one, we know that the referral pattern for headaches and migraines is higher up in the neck. So if it was an injury or, or some sort of change at C1, C2, or C3, that might be a different story. Um, but C4 or 5 likely is not going to be causing a headache. It, it's probably, um, if we look at correlation and causation, I would argue it's more uh, correlated with uh, restriction and loss of movement in the upper part of the neck that is resulting in increased stress through the mid portion of the neck. And so if the MRI comes back and there is wear and tear to the mid portion of the neck and you get sent to see a surgeon and they, you start the conversation of what it would look like to, uh, I mean, the end result there might even be a fusion, which I've had several patients that have fusions in their spine. And, and again, not to say that that's never the answer, but there needs to be this evaluation of lost movement in the upper part of the cervical spine because of what that does to the mid portion of the neck and what that'll show on imaging. So to simplify this, the patient in scenario number two has wear and tear to the mid portion of the neck that will be seen on imaging. It actually likely is just correlated to their headaches and migraines and not the actual underlying cause um, and can lead the patient down the road of a pursuit of an irreversible surgery. And what needs to happen is they need to see a, a physical therapist that can evaluate and then restore upper cervical spine movement properly. And then once that's done, the likely result is the patient will feel better, uh, that the problem will be solved, and that the image can kind of be uh, put on the back burner and, uh, and, and resurface if something serious down the road pops up or if if the symptoms resurface or if the physical therapy intervention doesn't seem to do the trick. So uh, scenario one is you find nothing and you're kind of left with like, oh, well, then what's wrong with me? Why can't they see what's wrong? And scenario two is they actually find something, but it's not uh, what is actually causing your symptoms and can lead to a potential surgery, which is irreversible and, and not, uh, not really the uh, outcome or the intervention that most are going to want. Um, and so if we can avoid that, we want to avoid that. So two major scenarios that the imaging can get us in trouble with. 
Now, the ideal scenario for anyone with headaches and migraines, now again, I'm, I'm separating the category of those that have the types of symptoms that would indicate that there is the, the tumor or the brain bleed or things like that. That's, that's a very, very small percentage of people. So I'm just going to set those aside. And we're talking about the people that have uh, regular headaches, regular migraines. They know they're not dying. They, they come and go. They, um, they are things that debilitate them and they interfere with your everyday life and they become chronic in the sense that it goes on for years or decades, uh, but it's not something that um, you're constantly uh, feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to go to the ER, like maybe today's the day that they'll find something. So that patient, the ideal scenario is that you would come to see a physical therapist and we would evaluate the upper cervical spine and be able to um, address any sort of movement problem. Uh, when I say movement problem, just real quick, most patients I have can turn their head all the way and they can look up and down. It's nuanced and it takes um, an experienced clinician to really evaluate the loss of movement in the upper part of the neck. Um, again, going back to those compensation patterns, if the first and second bone in our neck aren't interacting the way they should, our body will find a way to make the movement happen. And so just a simple like, oh, I can turn my head all the way is not sufficient to properly diagnose this uh, type of injury. And so that injury needs to be properly diagnosed right away um, and then treated in the sense that we are restoring mobility to the upper neck, we're restoring uh, shoulder function, anything that can contribute to this neck uh, problem. Now, if that step is taken first, what it does is it, it allows the patient a reasonable explanation and allows them relief in a conservative manner, avoiding medication, avoiding those two scenarios with imaging, where the first is just kind of a depressing, well, what's wrong with me if, if the medical doctor can't figure it out? And uh, second is potentially preventing the patient from going down this road of surgery and the cost and uh, debilitating recovery process and their irreversible uh, damage that occurs because most of those surgeries are changing the way our body functions without a addressing the, the actual uh, source, which, which is a loss of movement, uh, which can be restored over time. So hopefully that's helpful. That is uh, just sort of the uh, tip of the iceberg as far as what we should be understanding about imaging. Now I went, I covered a lot of material, so uh, feel free to email or reach out, comment if you have specific questions. Now, uh, again, I will say that listen to the medical doctor, listen to your provider um, because they are trained in screening and testing and um, they know what they're doing, but don't forget that they uh, are not the only piece of the puzzle and there needs to be a physical therapist intervening if there is not a reasonable solution provided to you. Um, and so that's, that's my summary point for you guys. Again, this is the Headache Doctor Podcast, episode three. Um, where we talk all about imaging. Stay in tune next time where we're going to dig into more about headaches and migraines, hopefully helpful information that you guys take and feel empowered by. Uh, I'm the owner of Novera Headache Center here in Colorado Springs. You can find out more information about Novera Headache Center on our website, noveraheadachecenter.com. And uh, please subscribe to this podcast channel. Tell your friends as this is a message that we hope continues to spread so that we can help more people. Thanks for tuning in.